just feel like so many organizations that provide group fitness are providing a He's acting like he doesn't want to just go ahead and say it. They're shitty. <laughs> they're, they're bullshit. Okay. Welcome. This has been a long time coming. This next <laughs> episode. I haven't podcasted in a while. But man, are you guys in for a show today? Um... <laughs> So today we have uh, Adam Mackay and Carlina, help me out with your last name? Weeb. Weeb? Yeah. Uh, and you guys are the founders of Loaded Movement Academy. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, colloquially known as LMA. Yes. Yes, sir. There you go. And um, tell me, so you guys are a mm, personal training business, essentially. You've just mm-hmm. added group fitness. I understand that. But uh, you guys are local trainers. Tell me about how you guys met each other. Yeah, okay, for sure. Uh, first thing I just want to address there, because I do feel like there's a lot of conf- There has been in the past some confusion about what LMA exactly is. Because we, we do have our personal training studio that we use to, again, deliver personal training sessions. Now the group fitness stuff. We do seminars and all of this. But initially, we were a virtual-based online strength academy. And that is always kind of our flagship like this is what we're really excited about building Mm because we do feel we can provide the most value to the most amount of people and again have the largest amount of impact on an individual Mm -hmm. the in-person stuff is great for the people that can't afford it for the trainers for developing that coaching ability because there again there's no virtual trainer out there that's worth their salt that hasn't gotten their hands dirty with clients in the gym Mm -hmm. but anyways to answer your question how carlina and i met um, maybe I'll actually let you give your perspective on that. Oh yeah. So Adam was deep in a cut for, uh, a bodybuilding competition. I don't know which one it was at that time. Um, but when he first walked in the door, he was a little bit, let's say he wasn't at the highest level of carbs at that point in time. So he was a little crazy, but he walked into fuel where I was currently working at the time. And he's like, I don't know who you are. I don't trust you, but I kind of like you. And then he walked away. And that was my first introduction to Adam. (laughs) The quote was a little bit different. (laughs) I had walked in, was being crazy and wild and yelling and screaming, realized a person I didn't know was standing there and got a little embarrassed and was like, oh, I'm really sorry you have to meet this. But anyways, see, that's why I wanted to First impressions are everything. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, honestly, our, our partnership, our friendship took a long time to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlina was, again, working at Fuel. I was competing at the, in, uh, for nationals. I was going for my IFBB Pro card at the Natural Pro Qualifier in Toronto at the time in 2018. And when I had come back, long story short, I ended up quitting my job that I was at for nine years, which was kind of the initial birth of LMA and had come back and had made the commitment to start personal training clients and and going the coaching route route. Uh, when I reached out to Dave, who was the owner of Fuel where Carlina was working, Mm -hmm. and he allowed me to kind of just work there part-time, a few hours a week kind of a thing, just so I could have some cash flow in Mm -hmm. as I was uh, starting this new venture. 
And Carlina and I built a friendship throughout that process. Mm -hmm. And again, my whole life was about bodybuilding at that time. And Carlina didn't have a whole lot. Carlina was just biding her time. Mm Because Carlina was always going back to university to either become a doctor or a physiotherapist or a practitioner of some sort. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing on the books because I believe was it your husband was going back to... What was it? Yeah, he there was, was a, doing some upgrading at the time, so he was apprenticing for uh, construction, and he had gone back to school. Yeah. So I was taking a year just for us to pay off some of the student debt and get ahead before um, mm-hmm. I was going to be going off to another school. So I had made the suggestion of, well, have you ever thought of doing a show? Uh, and Carlina didn't jump at it. She pondered the decision for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, many conversations were had, many interactions over... A few months anyways before mm-hmm. Carlina uh, decided to again have that real conversation of I think this is something I should do mm-hmm. I was partnered up with another trainer at the time uh, and we had a meeting with Carlina where she decided to hire the pair of us to coach her for a very first show mm-hmm. we lied to her and said that we had a ton of experience we did this all the time <laughs> Um, I had a little bit of experience. I had helped one one girl prepare for a bikini contest and two fellas com- uh, compete in their first natural bodybuilding contest. So we had some experience, but uh, we definitely told her we had more than we did. <laughs> You're very convincing. We tricked her. <laughs> uh, and so we went down that road. And yeah. so it was a client. At first, it was kind of a, f- uh, even just acquaintances, mm-hmm. kind of developed into a friendship and then developed into a coach and client relationship. Mm-hmm. That was a great experience as far as results go. Carlina won her first show. It was a great, um, she killed it. It was super impressive, but Carlina is an extremely dedicated athlete and has been in any event, any sport that she's ever been a part of, so there was no surprise there, the level of professionalism she brought to that. Um, but there again, the uh, we both have had kind of negative experience with experiences as a whole with mm-hmm. physique-based sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't after that experience i think it's safe to say that carlina was retired yeah (laughs) um yeah from from that yeah Yeah. we had to get her calories very low to get the what we wanted to see on stage and her brain was power was gone yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was zero (laughs) she was walking into walls on a regular basis oh it was yeah and then (laughs) honestly i don't really know how it happened like the conversation of where it all started. There was a conversation about a bus where I essentially approached <laughs> Carlina. I'll tell you what happened. It was at uh, the Buzz Coffee Shop. And we were actually, because this was January of 2020. Yep. So we were planning on competing again uh, for wellness yep. when wellness had first come out. Yep. And. And then you brought me in and we were going to talk about the strategy a little bit. And then you started on your metaphor of a bus. Right. Yeah. So I've never wanted... I remember the bus metaphor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> trying to get Actually, we share, we share a metaphor like that. Yeah. We've talked about it. I've yeah. been trying to get this guy on buses for years. <laughs> um, but anyways, I never wanted to do this on my own. Um, I am very well aware of my own limitations. So there's a reason why I never had an Adam Mackay fitness um, and I couldn't imagine seeing her de- Carlina's dedication towards the sports that she chose to do and the intelligent her intelligence is just absolutely on a whole nother level that I can't comprehend. Uh, so Carly- let's pause there actually for a moment. 
So you're about to get her on the bus, but I want to get your um, perspective and background on, um, well, he just mentioned like your education. So mm-hmm. you have that background and your background, what's your uh, bachelor's in? Uh, I had a major in psychology and a minor in biology. Okay. So very related fields to more or less what you're doing mm-hmm. now, yeah. right? There's a lot of overlap. Um, but then you have an athletic background as well. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I was a gymnast for, I think I competed for 12 years. Um, started at the age of seven competing, and my last competition was when I was 18. Um, but at 16, uh, we started going down the road to try and figure out why I was having back pain. I'd never had, had a big injury. It was just chronic pain that I was training through. And when I finally did get imaging, uh, Late in 2012, uh, we discovered a lot of compression fractures. And now now we know when you see young female gymnast, low back pain, we immediately go to, it's probably some sort of compression fracture. Uh, but back then it was, they didn't really want to go down right. the road of many, uh, like in, not invasive, but just a lot of imaging and all of these things. So uh, did take a while to diagnose, but when it did, um, I had to stop right then and there and it was back brace and uh, a bone growth steroids and all of that in recovery and then many many years of physio after that so and what was the result of all that rehab essentially um it was you know I would never be able to go back to uh any sort of ballistic or explosive training um I probably wouldn't be able to um they even went as far to say like it's probably not a good idea for me to get pregnant or uh walk around like I wouldn't be able to do long hours on my feet all of these things probably not a good idea for you to fulfill your natural (laughs) biological function it's probably not a good idea for you to just like be a human who's standing all the time (laughs) you know activity you got to keep it real safe um so I obviously didn't do any of those things right right. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah how how exactly I mean in that moment getting a lot of that advice and information how did you process that then versus maybe how you look back on it now um it was tough I felt like you know it went it really went zero to a hundred I had doctors telling me oh it's fine it's just muscle pain it's fine it's fine it's fine and then all of a sudden it's like oh my goodness this is this is way worse than you were telling us it was as if you know it was it was my fault I wasn't (laughs) as if you knew the extent yeah I knew at 16 how bad it would it should have been um and I wasn't telling them how bad the pain was so oh my goodness how have you been training for this long in this state and then you got to stop you have to stop everything so it was it was really like it was a big loss of identity at that point in time because gymnastics was everything to me I was uh, being scouted for a scholarship in the states I was gonna go the NCAA route so it was it was a huge uh, shock to my body to my brain to everything to go from you know 25 hours a week of training to nothing Mm -hmm. and not being able to do anything and so I didn't want to commit the rest of my life to not doing anything because that was going to be, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. So I did kind of pivot and shift into my studies more and I wanted to go into medicine for the purpose of not having um, other female gymnasts go through the same experience I did with the medical system. I thought there should be earlier intervention. And although I don't, didn't go that route because I realized that at that point in time, it's too late. There needs to be earlier intervention. Um, now what I'm doing is still kind of the purpose of what I set out to do uh, when that did happen. Yeah. 
I, I, I believe as trainers, you truly are in the trenches able to have yeah. the most effect uh, on a person's long-term outcomes, right? Mm. Um, especially with coaching and bad coaching. Like yeah. a lot of that is where it starts, right? Pushing yeah. people too far for too long. At too young of an age. And, and, yeah. and then they end up in a, in a treatment cycle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after that. So, um, okay, so you have this hunger and yearning burning inside of you and you guys meet up and he's got his bus that he's about to break into here. <laughs> and so we can see how the, uh, the, 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 the situation is being kind of set in motion for you guys to really go ahead full charge at this whole LMA thing. So, mm-hmm. okay, bring all of that together, Adam, and talk right. to, bring the bus into it. Okay, so we're sitting down, we're having this conversation. I have just had the most intense experience of my life through, there's a little bit of a backstory that we've gotten into in the past where I'm com- training to go for my IFBB pro card, there's kind of this other backstory where my brother and sister are having these emotional challenges at the age of 17 and we're talking drug use, we're talking attempt, um, threats of suicide, all of this other stuff that brings me over to the mainland to be there to be a supportive male role model for those guys. Uh, it was a really exciting time in my life. And again, quitting my job, coming back here, all of that going super successful and now restarting my life at the age of 29. So I've got this vision for where where I'm going, I just have no idea what the what the trip, what the journey is going to look like. So again, sitting down and having this conversation with Carlina, I've already begun the journey, and I remember I don't remember exactly what was said, but it was something along the lines of, "Listen, <laughs> we got this bus, and we're going to this place. I have no idea how we're going to get there, but I know we got to have the right people on the bus to make sure that we successfully get there." And it, again, I feel like I butchered that was the, pretty the much quote. It. Yeah, I want you on the bus. I want you on the bus. <laughs> Get on. And I was like, I have no idea what you just said, but sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. luckily, I think that I had built up enough trust with Carlina. We had enough faith in each other, and at that point, and mm-hmm. let's be honest, I, I caught you at the right time. Yeah. There was. Uh, I feel like there wasn't. You, I feel like for Carlina, you, you maybe were a bit, I don't want to say lost. I feel like that's a strong word, but without direction, maybe. And I was uncertain. I was still, you know, I was still like, I know what I want to do. I don't exactly know what it should look like. And, you know, my parents and my professors and my peers had really hung on to the idea of like, oh, she's going into orthopedic surgery or into like sports medicine or, you know, just... Whatever it was, it was the doctor label and a lot of people who had influence in my life really stuck onto that and that's what everyone was just saying, oh, she's going to be a doctor, she's going to be a doctor. So it was a little bit of a, oh, well, I said I was going to do it and I can't not follow through with that. And throughout university, you know, it's, you're going through it right now, you kind of have your head down and you just, you're getting to that finish line and it's a little bit one step at a time of what's in front of you at that current time. And when I finally came up for it, for air at the end of it I was like ooh, I don't actually know if I'm gonna like that job I still think that's what I want to do because I want to have an impact on people in this specific way but I'm not sure if that's the right route anymore so I was I was in a little bit of a I'm taking a gap year I'm just going to take a breather from academics and apply and decide and just make some money in the meantime and I was still coaching I was coaching gymnastics at the time and mm. I was coaching a small competitive group. So, and I really like, I love coaching. I've, I've been uh, coaching 
small gymnast since I was 13. Totally. So it's something that uh, I knew I really enjoyed. And I was like, hey, if nothing else, I could do this personal training thing for a year. Yes, absolutely. So, and then initially it wasn't like, okay, great, Carlina, you are now the half owner of LMA, um, Loaded Movement Academy. It was initially, it was set up as like, Carlina was almost like a student of mine in Mm -hmm. the beginning where Mm -hmm. I was teaching her how to be a personal trainer, how to serve clients and all of this. But I'll tell you, fast forward six months and it was quite clear that we were dealing with a probably one, not at that moment in time, Mm -mm. but I could see where it was going and it was, oh, Carlina's gonna be one of the greatest strength coaches that has ever lived. And she had the skills, she had the, the passion, the work ethic, and the intelligence to do it. Um, and she was just providing... Whoa, whoa, you're saying this job needs intelligence? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll get to where the intelligence is a factor. So one thing that Carlina said to me was, I never want to own a business. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never be a business owner. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, okay, great. So I'm going to have a super valuable and useful employee. I'm going to have an can, asset. Can you expand on that, Carlina? What, uh, what, was, your, what was the feeling behind that statement? Um, I think I had worked for a lot of small business owners, you know, coffee shops, and my dad was a small business owner for a short amount of time, and I had just seen them fail and struggle, and I'm like, there is no, there's no security in this. This is always, and that was a big thing for me. I had a lot of limiting beliefs with money and, you know, not coming from a family who was super financially secure and being very um, open about their struggles. I was like, that's one thing I need in my life. I need stability, I need security. So I need to go for the highest of high paying jobs so that I never have to worry about it again. And I'm like, owning a small business, that's not it. I will never do that. (laughs) And yeah, so a lot of it was fear-based. Okay, and so quickly right now, looking back on that point of view, how has that changed, if at all? I think I just hadn't been exposed to enough of it. My view okay. is very small. Right. Um, we so are, we are shaped by the experiences. experiences and yeah. how we view the world. Yeah, yeah. so my, my lens that I was looking uh, through was very influenced by a few small businesses that weren't the most successful. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Adam, back to you. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it wasn't long before, like I said, I, I could recognize where this was going. Um, and at that point, there was a bit of a commission structure Mm-hmm. in place for Carlina to pay for the coaching and the support that she was getting from me. Uh, and it was clear that that was no longer, it didn't make sense anymore. So I started to not feel good about it in my in my heart. Uh, so we had a discussion and it was like, okay, there's no more of this. And things kept moving forward. Carlina just kept adding value uh, to an extraordinary amount through the work she was doing with clients. Uh, Carlina's lived a very full life, which means she's developed a lot of relationships in the course of her life. And when Carlina put it out there that her services were available, so many hands were going up that again, it was clear, I, th- I think I have a partner here. Okay. Like I don't have an employee, I don't have a, an asset, whatever you wanna say, I think I've got a partner on my hands. And the conversation was had where I would like, I w- if, if you are in this, if you see this for the long haul, then let's do this together. Let's be 50-50 in this thing and let's make this happen. And that mm-hmm. conversation was at the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, it looks like the writing was on the wall for both of you, more than likely, as like, okay, this partnership is a good idea. I want to back up to what you just said about value. How, from your point of view, how does one add value to a coaching relationship or even a partnership for that mm-hmm. matter? Um, well, I can really only speak from our experience, but uh, Adam and I are very different in, in our skill sets, uh, not in our values, our, our core values are very much the same, but we have two very different skill sets where he's really good and has a um, more extensive background in sales and marketing and has a larger vision for things. In my skill set, I'm much better at the planning and logistics and organization and really figuring out like how things are going to work to get to that big vision. Um, so for us, it was that for the skills that I didn't have to make this as big as it could be, uh, that's where Adam came in and vice mm-hmm. versa. So we worked really well as a team, um, then apart and we both, we both have reflected and said like we wouldn't be able to make LMA what it was or what it is now had we tried to do this on our own. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes we have an idea of how a business should work and like perfect programming and periodization and perfect business acumen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes maybe we tend to leave out probably the most important part of this equation, which is the customer or the client. Mm-hmm. Where's the value for them? How are you, are they seeing the value that you guys add through all your planning and preparation and your marketing and sales? What uh, can you speak on maybe their experience or what you think that you're offering them with your um, skills and abilities? Yeah, for sure. I think um, from my perspective, I think from the client coming in, already having gained a little bit of trust from what they're seeing in our marketing, what we're putting out there on social media, because let's be honest, a trainer in this day and age, if you're not on social media, people probably don't know who you are unless you just have a referral basis. Mm -hmm. So from that, they're already gaining the trust of us because they're seeing us together and they're seeing our clients, seeing the social proof on social media. And then from that point in time and where we've done a lot of work is from the client coming in having a really streamlined process of them coming in and then being paired with their coach and doing the actual training. Um, So having the both of us, it's really nice to, you know, I've heard clients say like, I really like how I'm speaking with one person and I'm not, I'm not even trying to be sold by that person. They're trying to pair me with the best coach possible, whether it's an LMA and best service possible, whether it's with LMA or something else. But Um, they're really trying to place me in my best spot for success. And then when they come in, making sure they're well taken care of through every step of the way before they even step foot in the gym. And I think that's a lot of work for just one person. So having the both, the both of us do that and take that through, um, is a lot of weight off each other's shoulders. And it's not just us either. It's, it's all the coaches. It's the entire team Mm -hmm. that we have involved now. yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think also. I mean, for us, I think our, our kind of pillars are structure, accountability, and education, and the tools and resources that we have to implement those, I think, are very good. They took a, a very long time to get to where they are now, mm-hmm. but I, I always go back to two metrics, and that is our client retention is unbelievably high. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have clients that have been with us since day one. Yeah. Uh, the majority of our clients uh, will be with us us for a minimum of at least a year Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the other thing too is where our clients are coming from. Sure, we make a lot of efforts to promote ourselves on social media, but ninety mm-hmm. percent of our new client intake is comprised of referrals, mm-hmm. and I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. You guys have added a group fitness component. Yes. To your business. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about uh, how you bring in a new client and you fit them with a trainer, so on and so forth. Now you have a new sort of structure where you have multiple people that you have in one setting fit mm-hmm. with a trainer. So how is that, how do you guys figure that out? How is that dynamic working? How's that started yet and how's it going? Right, so group fitness, Carlina and I were never really sure that we wanted to offer group fitness mm-hmm. services. Mainly because again, we go back to the lens that we've viewed things with and I just feel like so many organizations that provide group fitness are providing a He's acting like he doesn't want to just go ahead and say it. They're shitty. <laughs> they're, they're bullshit. It's not it's How not do even, I say this in a different way? It's not even that way. they're shitty. It's that the client often isn't ready yes. for what that class entails. Yes. And there's not a lot of uh, a vetting process there's to not, that. You know, I'm used to seeing you know 30 people in a class, one instructor at the front of the room, and very complicated exercises. Mm-hmm. Like even something that might seem simple, like a kettlebell swing. Mm-hmm. Like if you've never actually been taught how to do a kettlebell swing, man, you got no business here. Like it, this is a very potentially dangerous movement mm-hmm. with a lot. I mean, you could probably go to a four, four, four to six hour seminar on that one movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed to me that it was dangerous for the majority and what most of these services were capitalizing on is getting people high on endorphins, get that heart rate up, spike mm-hmm. it, make them sweat, make them feel all, you know, those those feelings, those kind of, let's be honest, those kind of good feelings mm-hmm. of, you know, working really hard. It feels good to work really hard. Yeah. Uh, but we found, I found that lots of people getting hurt, uh, lots of people not learning a whole lot, mm-hmm. and, you know, at the best, people were checking the box of I, I've exercised today. Mm-hmm. So so do you see that being addressed through a programming um, solution or something else? Because yeah. I would, I mean, you can have those scenarios with one-on-one settings too, where someone's not learning very much and Absolutely. maybe they're getting thrown yeah. into stuff too quickly. Um, and so a lot of that, you know, can obviously fall on the coach or the trainer. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes you have to have that kind of one-on-one time where you can talk to someone about, okay, what is it that you're really interested in getting out of this? Mm -hmm. So that is, I mean, for me to sleep well at night, I always have to remind myself of there's going to be the people who are looking to get something more out of what you're offering and the people who are just looking to get the bare minimum. Yeah, It's like, I have, you know, a family to look after. I've got a really intense job and lots of obligations. I have these all these other things. All I want to do is come, do my bit, get a sweat on, you know, read my Fitbit and let it tell me that I did a good job today yeah. and then get the hell out. Check yeah. the box. Yeah. So yeah. when I remind myself of that, I also remind myself that I can't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. If this is not what they signed up for, then... Maybe I'm just thinking about what I want out of them out of the session rather than what they want out of the session. So where is there a line that you draw or like where do you draw that line where it's like, okay, you said a lot of good things, like objectively good things, having fun, 
getting endorphins, all that stuff. Mm. The pure enjoyment of an activity is like the, the highest level of um, reward that you can really get from an activity, mm. doing the behavior just for the sake of doing the behavior. But you know, where do we draw that line? Is it where, well, people start getting hurt or they're mm. not seeing more growth, mm -hmm. but is more necessarily better? That's fair. You know, it, it's a little murky there, right? Mm. It does. And we have to reconcile that we're trying to run a business, but at the same time, we're trying to fulfill people's needs too. Mm -hmm. And how those two things intermingle can be complicated. Yeah, yeah. So how we've kind of approached our group fitness program and kind of uh, set ourselves apart is we've really limited our class size. So in our, we shut down our entire studio. Uh, we only have 10 spots available for these programs and we have two coaches there running it. So everyone's going to have the individual to attention that they may need. And we also make all of our equipment available. So it's not that, you know, standing in one spot using a couple of dumbbells, this, that, or whatever. They have our, our entire uh, studio at their disposal. So we're able mm -hmm. to use a lot of unique tools, include a, a lot of unique exercises that you usually wouldn't find in most exercise or most group fitness classes. Even just things like trap bar deadlifts, landmine squat and press, mm -hmm. even lap pull downs, you know, these types of things. And the other thing that we are doing is we're, we're doing a lot of interviewing with the people that are coming into these programs to mm -hmm. one, what's your history with injury? What exactly is it that you're asking out of this program? Mm -hmm. What are we working towards? What are your expectations? Mm -hmm. And it's quite funny actually, because through that process, Carlina and I are going through the applications and all of this. And it's like, man, like th these aren't goals you would expect to see from group fitness participants how mm -hmm. many people's goals number one goal was to do a pull-up yeah like f four or five yeah so many of these people which is like so interesting for us because my my kind of guess would have been weight loss weight loss weight loss weight loss weight yeah. loss want to lose weight wanna cardio want to just cardio. get in and exercise love the group and that's a big thing too like having the group camaraderie yeah it's fun it's it, fun it's and fun. you get to learn um new things and meet new people and it's a lot of fun and i think that's that's a big draw because people are like oh i don't want to work out alone yeah if i have a friend if i have the accountability to someone i have to be there with totally then absolutely i'll be there yeah um but yeah, it's funny because all of these people, I'm like, man, I, I want to train them personally because yeah. I love the goal of a pull-up personally. And for most classes, luckily we can work towards that in our class, but for most facilities even, it's not an available use of equipment. No. So for us, and it, you know what, and also on a financial side for the client, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone's got the resources to afford personal training. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, even virtual training, because yeah. virtual training can be really expensive, especially if you're working with high quality uh, coaches. Mm -hmm. um, so it does make it a little bit more accessible. Yeah. The other thing is we're really looking at it as an opportunity to educate people on different approaches to exercise. Yeah. Letting people know that there is other ways to do this. Like mm -hmm. you want to talk about some real strength training and also because then we can expose people to a level of service that otherwise we're probably not thinking about it. Like a lot of the members of our group fitness program probably don't know much about what it is like to work with a virtual functional strength coach. Mm -hmm. um, or if they do have an idea, it's some influencer that emails you a PDF and you don't hear from them again kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Yeah. So again, I feel like that virtual coach has a stigma to it. And that's one of kind of our missions is to improve the standard of strength training for mm -hmm. athletes and coaches alike mm -hmm. because 
virtual coaching is the modern way to approach our, our goals or even just check the box in the most effi- efficient and effective way for but, that individual. For that individual, yeah. but they probably don't know what it means because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there delivering cookie cutter programs, copy and paste systems uh, that aren't, they're just not what we do. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about your online coaching, is it that someone is exercising right in front of you in their home and you're coaching them while they do it? Or no. what's going No, on? but yes. Um, no, but yes. So even for like, let's say this, we have plenty of clients that are not island based. Uh, I think you had a client who was in, what was that? Belgium? Yeah. Belgium. So we have a virtual movement assessment. So it's just a series of exercises that are delivered to the client and then they video themselves, do these things, send it back to us. The exercises are very specific, so we can tell a lot from these few different things. Mm -hmm. And then we operate through a pyramid system of skill level uh, without getting too much into it. Uh, Basically, you can imagine the thing that's the hardest is at the top, the thing that's the easiest is at the bottom. Through the movement assessment, we kind of get an idea of where we can start this person. We'll usually start a little lower than what we suspect they're able to do. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of graduate into more difficult things as they prove their competency and ability to perform more basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, We educate on movement quality through video reviews. So you can imagine a client who's in the gym or working out from home. I would say 95% of our clients have gym memberships. Yeah. Uh, and they'll, they're, they're, in a given workout, they're probably going to be filming two exercises, one or two. Yeah. If they're brand new, it's probably more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they've never done it before, they're for sure going to film that. Yeah. And this is what allows us to place our coaches or ourselves with our clients in the gym without actually having to be with them in the gym. What's your response rate for their videos? Like, are they, like, s- are they always sending in all of their videos on time each week? So I would say the 100% of the clients making the progress they want are sending in the videos. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exactly answer your question though. I would, so I would say- But, but it alludes to the, the significance of the question. For sure. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. A client, we have three simple rules to success, and mm-hmm. it's fill out your pro, enter your information in your program, send in your videos, and complete your reflection exercise. It's something that gets sent out every week. Yeah. Weekly a, check-in. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but even that I feel has a stigma. It does. I know when it, when people think weekly for, check-in, it's not weight, macros, weight, med- yeah, blah, blah blah. Yeah, none of that. No, it's it's a little bit of it's a, there's a section on training, there's a section on nutrition, and that isn't like what were your macros. It's like. How do you feel about your mm-hmm. nutrition? Energy levels, sleep All levels, of that stuff. water. And then yeah. the wellness section, yeah. which is like on a scale of one to 10, like how stressed are you this week? Yeah. If it was, if you're past a whatever, are there any uh, specific reasons for why you might be a little bit more stressed right now? Mm-hmm. So again, just those three simple things. If you can just enter your information, send in your videos and complete your reflections, you'll be blown away with possible. Mm-hmm. Then you just gotta let time do its time thing. Mm-hmm. When you have someone who writes down a goal, like for example, I want to be able to do a Mm pull-up, and then you pair that up with what their weekly check-in, air quotes, looks like, (coughs) where they're talking about their stress level and their feelings, how do you explain to that individual why that's important? It's like, do you have those people say, how is this going to help me do a pull-up? I've never actually had pushback on that. No, um, I think we explain it well in the first video, like in our onboarding process when we're, you know, still educating the client before they even get their program as look, 
this information is super important for your coach because we're going to make smarter programming position, uh, decisions for you if you give us this information. If we don't know that you're missing workouts and you know, you're know you not sleeping and you're not eating well and you might be uh, in a bad position in your job, whatever, and we're programming really high volume, well, your body's just not going to be able to handle it and we're not going to get to that pull-up. So... I always try and educate all the clients as like, this is our best clients are doing these three things. That's always available to you. And I, I, yeah, I've never had anyone say, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever experienced the phenomenon where you have someone who's falling behind relative to you know what their progress rate should be? Mm-hmm. So if they're following all the things and doing all the reflections, doing all their workouts. So if you have someone who's like missing workouts and not really telling you, mm-hmm. Um, but essentially that eventually comes to light. Um, have you experienced the phenomenon where someone's falling behind, they feel like they're falling behind, but they feel like the solution is to set a higher goal? Yes. Which obviously, logically, doesn't make much sense. Yeah. No. Have you I, ever experienced that? I have absolutely experienced that personally <laughs> and with clients. Right. Like, like, and it's usually after eating a large stuffed crust pizza by myself. Okay. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, it's time to start dieting. We're going to kill it. We're going to find another bodybuilding show. Let's go. And it obviously crash bang never works. And then I hate myself. And I usually tell them, Adam, that's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely some telltale signs. Mm-hmm. Starting to miss reflections, not seeing yeah. the videos. That's a huge red flag. You yeah. know it's coming. That You know mm-hmm. that conversation's coming of like, okay, what's going on? Um, but yes, absolutely experience the phenomenon. And as we all know, I think sometimes not necessarily setting a bigger goal, but reaffirming what it is that we're working towards can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 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 definitely. And I think usually, uh, for me, what it comes down to is educating the clients on, look, this is your goal and we haven't been doing any of these things. So the solution is not to do all of these things starting tomorrow. The solution tomorrow <laughs> is to do this one thing and then let's build on that. And I think the biggest thing is people always try to go zero to a hundred and then they fall off track again. They go zero to a hundred. I'm like, okay, let's try to get to 50% and stay there and be consistent with that until you don't even have to think about that anymore mm-hmm. and then continue to build on those habits. Like we're huge on habits and behaviors and I think people, um, underestimate just how powerful that can be to when you know you don't even have to think about training anymore because it's just an unconscious thing that happens because every Wednesday at 5 p.m you're going to the gym just like every morning when you wake up you're brushing your teeth and that's an analogy I use over and over again of like let's make this just an unconscious part of your daily routine or weekly routine uh, so that it doesn't cause you that stress and anxiety of like I'm missing this I'm missing this I forgot to do this Let's start building on those habits and behaviors and making them really solid. Mm-hmm. I want to challenge that idea of building habits and behaviors yeah. by throwing in motivation. Yeah. So is it, and this is just going to be a very black and white question. For sure. So it's, it's going to be pretty simplified. Is it more important for you to build autonomic behavior by developing habits or to have people develop an understanding and appreciation for why they're doing those behaviors in the first first place and why it's important to them personally. Which is more important first or which is more important? Which do you think is, I think, more more important, but 
uh, kind of jumping ahead of that, what is going to be more effective potentially? Mm. Or even just where do you want them to be? So in the totality of your mission, we talked about like values and delivering quality experience and delivering quality service and putting the client first. I would challenge that it's not enough just to build the habits and behaviors. For sure. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. At least if it's something that they're not intrinsically motivated to do. Agreed. Exactly. Right? Yes. So how do you make that leap? Or do you even bother to make the leap? Because yes, we can say you should do this because you'll be healthier. Yes. Oh, of course. So that happens on their limits. Mm -hmm. Everyone's introduction to LMA is a phone call with me. Uh, so that's kind of the process. If you were to go sign up on our website, you're going to be met with a schedule of times available to talk to an LMA representative. That representative is always me. One of the skill sets I have uh, is definitely helping people to connect with their why. Because mm-hmm. I absolutely believe, yes, the habits and behaviors are the most Im- important thing to achieve the desired outcome. But... We're unlikely to develop these habits and behaviors unless we have a very strong reason why. Mm -hmm. The only reason I've ever been able to follow a super strict diet is because there's a bodybuilding contest at the end of the road and any deviation from what I'm supposed to do is going to be in full view when I end up on stage. So again, when when we're talking, my whole goal on on that phone call is to understand why we're on the phone in the first place. You filled out the application for a reason. Oh, I want to lose weight. That's usually not the phone call I get. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, why? Or uh, I want to compete in whatever, powerlifting, or I just want to fix my fitness solution. It all comes down to you made this phone call for a reason. You've reached out to me for a reason. You're looking for fitness solutions for a reason. Why? Mm-hmm. And throughout that phone call, and everybody's different, so it's hard to give uh, a blanket statement to what everyone's issues are because everyone is so unique. Like for me, Oh, that might be a longer conversation. It's all about self-acceptance, in my opinion. Yeah, but, but you pick, pick a person, like uh, a Jared, for instance. He's a really good example. Yeah, so I have a client who was uh, losing her husband to a long battle with cancer. And this person is extremely nurturing. Um, and I think it was extremely hard for her to live with this extreme abundance of uncertainty and no control. Mm-hmm. So what I saw this person do uh, was claim what she she really took control of what she could, which was herself. So she got, she turned herself into the strong, physically strongest version of herself that she possibly could. And about a year later, he finally passed away. And I think because she had done so much work on herself, and really gone from a place of just complete and utter chaos to losing her husband and just really taking her own health into control, it propelled her. I feel like everyone's going to know who it is if I tell the rest of the story just based on the results this client achieved. (laughs) Let's just say this person went out and shocked the fucking world. Yeah. And... I, you know, I don't even know if she's aware of, like, I'm making a lot of assumptions why she leaned so hard into strength for mm-hmm. herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what it com- I guess what I'm trying to kind of dance, get to the point of is I believe that it is very important to connect with your why. You don't even always have to understand it. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You Maybe you can't verbalize it. Maybe you're not even aware of it, but we don't move without it. Mm-hmm. So I think the why is, is, is everything. A move is a key piece of that. Yeah. Right? Your inner motivations drive you to, to create action, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably more specifically to create change. Sometimes yes. there's a discrepancy between where you are and where you want to be mm-hmm. for your life situation right now and what you want your life situation to be in. And that motivates you to do something about it. Hopefully, some people, they're stuck in a spot where they're just, they don't know what to do. Maybe they're afraid to do anything. And when it comes to like exercise psychology, that's like the hardest place for a person to be, where you ask yeah. them that question and they have no idea why they, they think that they should. Yeah. But you set your first appointment, they don't show up. You call them up and they're like, yeah, I know something came up and you know it's total BS. Mm-hmm. And, but they just, they can't. They don't want to do it or there's no motivation to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that we do a really good job in vetting our our people on that phone call because Mm -hmm. I will say we get, we have a pretty high success rate with client adherence for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I think it is because we of our onboarding process where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of education uh, along the way that sets up clients for the most amount of success. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like for a lot of people, I don't know about you two, but like, for younger people now, getting on the phone is a big deal. Yeah. Like actually having a I, phone call with a that's human fair. Yeah. is anxiety that's inducing right? to a lot of people. I can't, yeah, I can't even call some of my friends without be- them being like, oh my goodness, who died? Mm-hmm. Like this is an emergency situation. Uh, whereas my husband refuses to text if it's longer than a, like a one sentence. So it's immediate <laughs> phone call all the time. So it doesn't bother me anymore. But yeah, for some people, just getting on the phone is a huge thing. So once they've broken that barrier, mm. uh, I feel like they've already gained a bit of trust and a bit of connection with us yeah. just in that initial phone call. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And then also thinking about, I feel like the term motivation has been brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we're all aware now that motivation is like laughter. It's there sometimes, it's not there at others. And it really comes down to sometimes you just got to do it. And I think there's always an underlying motivation or a, a, an intrinsic drive of your why. And I think that's why it's really important to identify that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I always tell my clients is often motivation does not precede action. So there might be that willingness to change, but sometimes you do have to get the ball rolling by starting action. Mm-hmm. And then the momentum carries forward with that motivation of like, I did the thing. I feel successful. I have that uh, self-efficacy now I can know I can continue to do these things. And yeah. it's usually when you don't believe that you can do the next thing or you start missing a couple workouts, you're not connecting with your coach, then you start to have some self-doubt and that motivation tends to dwindle. So it is really, it's a cyclical thing. What gets you to... It's like a, like a feedback loop, right? It yeah. is, yeah. yeah. What, I'm just curious for you guys. What, what gets you guys to the gym, let's say out of 100 workouts? How many of those workouts were had because of your motivation versus your discipline? Ooh, 90% discipline, I'd say. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, when I started, lack of anything better to do. <laughs> no. Uh, the gym has always been my um, sacred place. Mm-hmm. Place of escape, really. Um, to escape ridicule, teasing, stuff like that. I agree. And mm-hmm. I find that this is a fairly common um explanation as to why some people work out initially mm-hmm. is they're trying to build some self-confidence 
yeah. uh, or overcome insecurity. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would say I actually had this discussion with some members the other day where I was like, I, I did not work out for health. Like maybe 10% for health. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it is overcoming insecurity. Agreed. But that's also now integrated with, you know, all of the years of experience and all the years of, of integrating what I do with who I am mm -hmm. is now part of that uh, lattice work of my motivation. So I do things because this is who I am. Right. And so in a way, there's a discipline there where I'm held to account to do this thing because mm -hmm. I identify like if I'm an athlete, then I have to do this thing mm -hmm. in a sense. But I also have to balance that out with if I don't end up doing it, then it's OK. Mm -hmm. And that's that personal acceptance bit. Yeah. And you can't it, it's probably unhealthy to have one without the other. Yeah. So um I am quite competitive and I do value growth and development. So all of that's feeding into me like seeking higher levels of uh, physical performance. But just the day-to-day -day stuff, like going to the gym, most of the time I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. I just go in, go through my warm-up, and I do a standard warm-up for the most part. And then once the warm-up's done, it's like, okay, what do I want to do? And I do what I feel like doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then other times, yeah, there's a specific purpose. And those are the more extrinsic things, but it's uh, building on to the more intrinsic motivations. It's giving me direction, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. So I have the intrinsic drive, but the extrinsic um, goals give me more. It allows me to focus it in one direction or another. Yeah. 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 I think it's been so many different things for me over the it's years. It's very fair. Because I'm like, right now, I'm like, oh, yeah, 90% discipline for me right now. But... For me, you know, when I was five years old, it was, a lot of it was, you know, I want to get that next skill. I want to yeah. podium. I want to do better at my next competition. And it was competition really driven. I wanted there. to be there. Um, I loved the sport. It was most of my life. And my coaches, I probably saw them more than my parents. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was my family. It was my friends. It was, it was everything. And then when I got out, it was, I don't want to be, a broken human anymore and I need to get stronger because I want to live a good life and then of course there's been times of I do want to become more confident because I came from being like a super athlete to someone who could barely walk without pain so bringing myself out of that so it's yeah it's been different things for me in different seasons and I totally agree I'm currently it feels like in a season of rediscovering my love for training mm -hmm. um yeah because neither of us have really big Goals, goals right now no. or an impending competition i'm um, out there just training to stay str be strong functional yeah. and pain-free yeah um i believe on our last podcast which was a year or two ago now it was me talking about how i've switched from bodybuilding to powerlifting uh now on the other side of that experience uh, powerlifting was was a lot of fun it was great i got super strong lifted things that i never thought was possible I, like I remember writing some of I remember writing numbers lower than that on like a vision board like a whiteboard <laughs> saying one day I will and being like huh yeah right and what did that give you then and has that changed now looking back because you can have you can if we can reduce things like satisfying needs maybe there was a need that you were looking to satisfy by kind of pushing yourself to that limit but now that you've reached it looking back does it still hold the same value I have a lot of I am extremely proud of myself for what I was able to accomplish. 
because I looked around at the people, like my mentors, even like the social media stuff, guys like Lane Norton and whatnot that had accomplished similar things mm. and was just like, wow, there's a, there's a real life superhero. Like I will never be able to do bang or whatever it might right. be. So having accomplished some of those goals, it's like, whoa, like things are possible. Mm-hmm. Like you are capable of a lot more than you know. And again, if you can just be crazy enough to believe that it might be possible for you and just start to kind of walk the path, you know what I mean? Littles, one foot in front of the other, do the things. Um, Given up enough time, just about anything is possible as long as you're willing to be honest with yourself and like I say, just continually just one foot in front of the next. And whether that's growing your business or developing a successful relationship with your partner or squatting 500 pounds, again, I think uh, we could all shock ourselves if we dared to dream and believe in ourselves Mm. and be honest with ourselves. Mm. How much time do you guys have? Not much, actually. What time is it exactly? Anybody? Um, It's up there. I have an alarm set for 2 p.m. What time does that say? Because I just I see eight I see H two one five nine where I'm sitting. Yeah, one fifty nine. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, one fifty nine. And there you there go. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Uh, I'm gonna turn that alarm off. How important? To, I'm gonna tie this into the business as well. How important is it for you to humanize yourselves by along your journey or even retrospectively when you engage with your clients, express to them whether it's through video uh, documentation or just telling them a story, how you had to go through setbacks in order to get where you were. Because I think one of the natural biases that we have is we can take someone who's in your position of authority in this uh, field and say, well, you know, you're just amazing and everything you do is amazing and you just, your weights keep going up and you're able to do this and do that. You don't know what it's like to struggle. And then... The person internally is like, I only know what it's like to struggle. I never reach my goals. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with not being shown maybe the right tools and steps to you know, set appropriate goals mm-hmm. and, and work through that feedback loop of like, this didn't work. Okay, let's learn from it and make an adjustment and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and also uh, working that in with the business as well. I'm sure you've had maybe some setbacks or perceived setbacks with yep. the business, some um, uh, doubt. Um, but people may only see from good marketing, you know, how well you guys might be doing. So maybe you guys can uh, dig into that a little bit. I think that we purposely try to, I think we definitely did initially try to come off polished because we were insecure of like, we were new, we were Mm -hmm. young, we were maybe a little bit inexperienced. So I think we've, we kind of tried to fight that insecurity by really looking professional and overly polished and Mm -hmm. hide all the flaws Uh, And then as we grew as coaches and as a business and gained a lot of trust in ourselves through the, and that was reflected in the, the benefits that our clients were getting as a result of working with us. Mm -hmm. um, We definitely got a lot more comfortable and saw the importance of showing the real us. I think one of my, my, my biggest strengths is I'm not a six foot three, super handsome guy. You know, I'm short, I'm bald, uh, I'm average looking I'm at only, best. I'm, I'm, I'm only hearing good things so far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's do a little high five. Um, I've had to over, like, I'm not, not like walking around like the, you know, 
I'm not Ken. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think You're that, not Bradley Martin. No. And, and half the time I'm pretty fat, so. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm super insecure. So I'm a regular person. I think Carr's perspective is an interesting one because I think Carlene is a walking wonder woman. Um, talent. Don't build her up too high. Well, I don't I, want to set her up for failure. I know. I, I try not to blow up her head too much, but... I, like I'll think, I, what I do is I, I'll hide around behind corners and scare her, and I'll I'm like I'll give her fake punches all the time. It's but really easy to scare me. I don't know what to say, man. She's she's a pretty much a rock star. So I'd be interested in your perspective. Um, I think very similar to what you said in the beginning. Like on social media, I tried to show. Uh, like the awesome parts of my life thinking like oh people only want to see that because that's what I was seeing on social media but I would always tell my clients look like I've been where you've been I didn't want to go to the co-ed section where the benches were in front of the mirrors where all the guys were and there was a point where I finally said fuck it like it's not (laughs) it's not worth uh thinking about what other people are thinking or seeing holding me back from what I want to do and you know I've I've been in it's not like I have zero insecurities I've been insecure about what I look like or what I'm doing or what I'm doing in life or the business um and so I'm super open with my clients about that because I think I can relate to a lot of their struggles whether it's coming from being an athlete and then not knowing what to do after that season is over or being insecure with your body or looking at other people on Instagram and being like, Oh, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to reach that goal. Um, I've, I've been through a lot of those phases with different areas of my life, uh, whether it's directly fitness related or not. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've always been very open with my clients about that. And I think one of the big ones for you is again, when it comes to the physical and performance stuff, for sure, like Wonder Woman, but I definitely do recognize the the growth that you've made as a business owner is is outstanding, and the belief in yourself there, I think that is a really where you've made the most leaps and bounds, and had to to really show up as I am who I am, and I need to grow mm-hmm. into this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, next conversation we have. I would love to dig deeper into the whole insecurity thing, real me thing, how people portray themselves yeah. online and how that shapes the um, perception that people have when they come to us for services or just of the field of fitness in general. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that. And I think at that moment or at that point, we should probably end her and right on. let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome, guys. Thanks, Sully. Thanks a lot for having us. You're welcome. And uh, good to have you. And uh, yeah, until next week.